My name is Tracy Carpenter and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, welcome. We are glad that you tuned in. We believe that the church is a family and not just an event, and so we would love to connect with you. Uh, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first being um, through our website, which is www.restoredtemecula.church, um, and then click on contact. We also have a mobile app that you can get in the Apple or the Android app stores, and through that app you can see past um, messages, upcoming events, and other ways for us to connect. Um, so with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. All right, everybody, we're going to, uh, we're going to press pause on the series that we've been going through for the last uh, several years. We've been in Matthew for a long time. We've been exploring the beautiful reality of the king of the universe, Jesus and his kingdom, what his kingdom is like. When I say kingdom, I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Those phrases are synonymous in the Bible. And we've, been, we've spent a lot of time, a lot of energy exploring the kingdom of God together and what the king of that kingdom is like. We're going to pause that for the next month or so. Uh, we're going to be doing some unique things through the holidays. But uh, today, um, I want to talk a little bit about gift giving. Now, Christmas season is oftentimes synonymous with gift giving. Uh, some of you are really good at giving gifts. Uh, I'm not one of those people. Um, the reason I'm not good at giving gifts is because I'm incredible. I'm very impatient. So I'll get so I'll be like, like you can ask my wife. She's around here somewhere. But I typically like I'll get her something, and I hide it in the closet, and I can't handle it. I'm like, it's been three days. I have to give her the gift. Like, and I oftentimes I've been known to not ruin Christmas, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I just I want to give it. So I'm not the best gift giver in the world. Some of you are wonderful gift givers. But you know the saying, it's better to give than to receive, right? As a child, I thought that was totally bogus. As a child, I was like, no, I want to open presents. That's the fun part. But isn't it true? Like, the more we grow and the more we age, the more we mature, like, it really is wonderful. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I know that many of you feel the exact same way. Giving is wonderful. And, and Christmas time, like this season... So oftentimes we associate it with gift giving, right? Everybody's shopping. There's, there's the Black Friday deals and there's the Cyber Monday deals. And did they start Black Friday? Like, it's not just a day anymore, huh? What's the, like, what's the deal? I mean, I guess you don't have to wake up early and drive to Best Buy and stand in line anymore. You have to just, you know, a week early, it's all online, but... But Christmas time, it's this like, it's this season of the giving and receiving of gifts. And I think that's super appropriate because as, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, like we celebrate the greatest gift that's ever been given in the history of the world. Jesus Christ given to people. Like it's incredible. Like the Messiah, right? Like the promised savior, the, the redeemer from sin and death. God putting on flesh in the person of Jesus, like sacrificially giving himself to people. Like before we even jump into stuff today, I just want to like invite you to consider, to just genuinely and maybe deeply consider for just a moment that God, like the creator of all things, almighty God, that he gave you himself. Not like, if you're anything like me, I'm very, <laughs> this might sound arrogant, but I, I don't think it is. Like, I'm keenly aware of how undeserving I am that God would intervene in my life and give himself to me. Just because of the sheer amount of frequency with which I resist him and, and choose my way over his. But like, maybe you're like me. I mean, this incredible reality that God himself gave himself to you and to me, it's, it's spectacular, right? There's nothing more glorious than him. Anything that you found any glory in in your life, anything that you found any pleasure in in your life, it originated from him. Like, he's the origin, he's the source, he's the creator. Like, there's nothing even compares to how, how satisfying the pleasure that's available to us in unity with him. It, nothing else even comes close. 
So the fact that God would give himself to us is just bananas. And that's the season that we find ourselves in, of this, this celebrating that God gave himself. He's, he's the gift giver, right? If, Christ, or if Christmas teaches us anything, it teaches us that God's generous. And not just generous for the sake of generosity, but like sacrificially generous. It costs him something. And one of the things that I love about God, and even in Christmas, if I find myself in a healthy season, I can start to meditate and think through the, the, the implications of that. That like, He's also, he, he, he's generous with the little things too, isn't he? Like the supply of oxygen to your lungs that's causing you, enabling you to breathe right now. Every breath, not to get hokey on you, but like every breath is like a gift, a generous gift. I think about um, food. I like food. God didn't have to make food taste good and smell good. When I was in India, you, you have to eat with your hands. It gets really messy, but it, it feels kind of good too. Like you, he didn't have to make it pleasurable. He could have made it like toothpaste. You just like squeeze into your neck or something. Like, but he did it. He gave, he, he like made it pleasurable and enjoyable. Like what a gift a good meal is, you know? Um, this past Tuesday, I was uh, driving to the early session of the prayer, at the prayer room and the sunrise, those, there's a handful of you guys that were there. That sunrise Tuesday morning was unbelievable. Like it was the kind of sunrise where you're like, I might get in an accident because I can't stop looking at this thing. Yeah. And again, it might sound hokey, but maybe you're just too busy to like slow down sometimes and look at the beauty and the generosity of God all around us, even in the little things, man. He's a, he's a gracious, generous artist. And just like, this, like just the reality of pleasure in general. Like think about, think about the good and glorious things that you, you take pleasure in, that, that bring you pleasure, mentally, emotionally, physically even. Like he's kind, he's generous. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. And the pinnacle of his generosity, the giving of himself. And Jesus, right? That's Christmas, a time, a season of giving. Today, I want to talk about one small aspect of God's generosity that I think fits really appropriately and really well with this gift-giving season. Today, I want to talk about spiritual gifts, something that every Christian has, and I would argue something that every Christian can grow in, this idea of spiritual gifts. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or depending on your tradition, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Both are correct. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. While you're, while you're uh, flipping there, Everett Dean serving us with the words this morning. Thanks, dude. He'll have it on the screen for you if you need it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna, do, we're gonna stay in verses one through 11. Before I read this, I wanna pray together and just really invite God to teach us, to grow us, to shape us, to inspire us this morning. So will you pray along with me? Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are very present right now. I ask you to make us more aware of your presence. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you're like, you are tuned in. You're not absent. You're not distant. Sometimes we feel that way though for a lot of different reasons. And I feel like you're even highlighting that this morning. Yeah, you are. You're highlighting people that feel distant from you and your desire to be near us. It's like you wanna remind us of Christmas. Emmanuel means God with us. Your, your desire to be close your desire to be with your people. And I thank you that you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna do some work in that, um, in that arena this morning. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would help teach us, you would help guide us, you would help empower us um, to live the lives that you created us to live. So I love you and I just, I just Jesus, you're wonderful. I honor you and bless you. Guide us this morning, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so 
a lot of the things that I talk about for, for some of you, it's gonna be a bit of like a revisiting. We're gonna revisit some aspects of spiritual gifts that we have covered before, but I really believe God wants us to grow in this. So if it feels like review, that's okay. Sometimes God likes to fan things into flames. The flame already is there, but he wants to blow some oxygen into that flame and really have it catch fire. I think that's kind of what he wants to do with us this morning. So let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we'll read through verse 11. It says this. This is Paul writing to Christians in a city in an area of, called Corinth. He says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, that was like you weren't following Jesus, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols, gods that don't talk. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is, is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So in other words, you can tell when it's the Spirit of God and when it's not. That's what Paul's saying, okay? Verse four. Now there are different gifts. So there's a variety, but there's the same Spirit. Verse five. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as he wills. All right, <clears throat> that's our passage. Now, Paul, what he does here is he makes it very clear that God gives spiritual gifts to his people and he does it for a reason, okay? Really, really quickly, I want you to understand spirit for a second, okay? Like you are made in God's image, okay? God is father, son, spirit. I'm gonna go through this really, really quickly, but this is the, the closest breakdown to the Trinity that I can think of, okay? Father, you have a will, the will of the Father. You have God's word, which became flesh in the Son of God, Jesus, right? You have a means by which to then carry out that will. And then you have the Spirit, which is an animating energy to then cook, to collaborate with the will and the word to do the work, okay? You're made in his likeness. You're made in his image. That's, the same thing is true of you. You have a will, don't you? You operate in it all day long. You have a will, you have a means by which to carry out that will, your flesh, right? And you have an animating energy, you have a spirit. And when that spirit is unified with God's spirit, you start acting and behaving a whole lot like Jesus, walking in the spirit, being filled with the spirit. So when we talk about spiritual gifts, we're talking about gifts from God, the spirit that are manifesting itself through your life. You tracking with me? All right, so I wanna give you a kind of a simple, maybe, maybe, maybe oversimplified definition of, of spiritual gifts, but will you throw that first slide up there for me, Everett? Spiritual gifts. So here's, here's our working definition, okay? Just to prep you, I have a lot of slides this morning. If you're new, I typically rarely do slides, but I wanted to give you some visual stuff because we're gonna work through some things. So here's your working definition of spiritual gifts. Abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to Christians, hear me, not all people, people that have been filled with the Spirit, Abilities the Holy Spirit gives to Christians for the edification of others, okay? You gotta know what the word edify means. To edify is to instruct, to improve, and ultimately it leads to the benefit of someone, all right? So to instruct, to improve, to the benefit of them in some way, all right? So all spiritual gifts, what they do is they edify other people, right? God, Spirit, through you, edifying other people. Now, um, what I want you to do, if you could, go to the next slide for me. So what I did was I just quickly went through the New Testament, and there's, there's 20 spiritual gifts here that we see from the New Testament. Now, again, depending on the tradition, 
There, there, might, there may be more than this. I'm not saying that this is every single one of them, but there certainly is not less than 20 that we find in the New Testament. You with me? Okay. So what I want to do is I want to kind of work through these one by one, help bring some clarity to these. As we do this, this is kind of lecture style, so forgive me, but I think it will be helpful. As we do this, I want you to think of people, Christians in your life, that might have that gifting. And I also want you to think about the potential that maybe you have that gifting, all right? Youth in the room, give me your eyes for just a second. This is as much for you as any adult in the room, okay? If, you, if you've put your trust in Jesus, that means he's put his spirit in you to do stuff, to empower you, to live as though Jesus was you, okay? And this is some of the ways, many of the ways that that happens. So as we go through this, think, does somebody, do I, do, can I identify somebody in my life who has this gift? Or do I kind of identify this gift operating in me? You with me? All right, cool, let's go. First one, administration. I'm gonna try to go through these fast because I only have, technically, I only have 30 minutes left, but I'm gonna go long. So um, the first one, administration. You can go to the next slide. Just track with me, everyone. I'm gonna go through them. So I know it might look small, but hopefully you can see it. I'm just gonna work through each of these, okay? Administration. This is the ability to organize, direct, and implement plans, all right? Very simple. If you've met someone with this gift, you know. They really, they can help bring organization to things. They can help direct based on that organization, and they can help implement specific plans to carry things out, okay? That's administration. The next one, apostleship. That word apostle, it comes from the Greek word apostolos, which basically, it literally means sent one. So, so someone who, is, who God sends for a purpose, right? So apostleship, what it means is it's the ability to plant churches, to, to start ministries, to, to lay gospel foundations. If you're gonna build a house, what's the most important thing that you gotta build? A foundation, because from that foundation will determine the, the, the health of that structure right? And so when we talk about apostleship, we're talking about this idea of being able to initiate, to lay foundations of the gospel from which that can be built on. Because you can lay a foundation of, of all sorts of things, kindness and community even. But the, the, what, what the spiritual gift of, of apostleship is, is laying gospel foundations. Oftentimes this looks like um, starting ministries, planting churches, those kinds of things. I think about... Um, those of you guys in gospel communities, when you guys collaborate together to send, uh, to send kind of the next wave of leaders into a, an intro to gospel community, this has happened several times, that's apostolic work. That, that, that's, it's beautiful. It's a sent one, right? You guys have sent people in your gospel communities to go be new leaders. I think of, I think of Paul and Lindsay, right? The Carpenters and the Stevens sent them out. I think of Kyle and Andrea. Carpenters and Stevens sent them out. I think of Scott and Heidi. They were sent out like, there's more, all of our church planters in the family of churches, that's apostolic work happening. Many of you guys know Andy Rogers. He functions very apostolically with our family of churches, not just in his local context, but more broadly. Sent one, laying gospel foundations, planting churches, starting ministries. You guys get this one? Okay, let's move on. The next one, discernment. This is the ability to recognize and distinguish between the influence of God the influence of Satan, the influence of the world, and the influence of the flesh, okay? Um, my wife, time and time again, I've been on the receiving end of her spiritual gift of discernment, where she will like, she will discern what's happening with someone to the point where she's, help, she's so helpful to be able to provide caution, like, hey, there's something else at play here right? Satan maybe is having his way in someone's life or the flesh is operating too much or, or on the flip side to provide counsel like, dude, the spirit of God is operating in this person. We need to pray for them or we need to, we need to initiate with them or we need to, we need to uh, exhort them in some way. Like she does this all the time. Maybe you know someone or maybe you, you can discern between, it's not, not, on the, not at face value, it's not obvious. There's a discernment that's necessary. God, Satan, the flesh, the world, something's, we're spiritual beings, are we not? Yeah, that's discernment. The next one, the spiritual gift of evangelism, all right? This is telling others about the good news of Jesus, 
right? This is, this is, when I say the good news of Jesus, I'm talking about the gospel, right? Now, if you're a Christian, it's because someone evangelized you. That's how it happens, right? And now, listen, there are, it's actually really fun to watch. One of the things that we've been praying for, I feel like God is, is really designed to do, not just with our church, but with our family of churches, is to, is to pour out a spirit of evangelism on his people who are, who are genuinely so grateful and captivated by the good news of Jesus invading their life that they can't help but be like, have you heard about Jesus? Not in the, not in the creepy, weird, frustrating way, you know, when people are just like, it's more about them. You know, it feels like they're almost like trying to, trying to put a, a number, another tally on the scoreboard. That's not what I'm talking about. Out of that overflow of gratitude, right? And so it's pretty kind of cool to watch like several emerging evangelists in our church. I think of Jason. Dare I say, I think of Jamie. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and, and, and it's more than us. Like, here's the thing. All Christians are called to evangelize. Like, hear me say that. If you're a Christian, you're called to evangelize. This isn't just like, well, that's for them. Like, no, this is everybody thing. However, there is a unique grace on some. That's why you have like Billy Graham, right? All Christians are called to evangelize, but Billy Graham, maybe more than anybody that in our kind of lifetime had a spiritual gift of evangelism. And the reason we can say that we know that definitively is because God led millions of people to himself through that man. You with me? So being able to recognize that, that's the spiritual gift of evangelism. The next one, exhortation. Exhortation, it's the ability to motivate spiritual growth through urging and inviting others to take action, okay? Now, part of my hope behind this message is that it would, be, it would provide exhortation to you, that it would urge you and invite you to take action in specific ways that we'll, we'll get to here in just a bit. But I wanna give you just kind of two examples of this spiritual gift that have honestly really helped shape me. So these are personal for me, but I'll, I'll share a couple of them with you. Um, when I was a new Christian, I was, I was right out of high school. And there was a guy who uh, was leading worship at the church that I was with at, at the time. And he said something to me that at the time I totally resisted and I didn't see. But he told me, he goes, Tom, he goes, you're a worship leader. Like, go do it. And I can't tell you, I was far from the Lord. Like, I, I wasn't even in my, but he saw things. He, he, and he invited me and urged me to take action in specific ways that were led by the Spirit. You tracking with me? And those of you guys that know my story, I mean, for whatever reason, I had enough faith to go, okay, I guess I'll dip my toe in that. And so I began to, and it, it forever, forever changed the trajectory of my life. It, it was, it, 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 I mean, literally, it changed everything for me as I began to dip my toe in that. And then it became just a lot, in, in a good way. God revealed himself, he grew me, he gave me opportunities. It, it literally became my on-ramp into vocational ministry. I did it for dec uh, over a decade, I did it for a long time. I love leading worship, it's, it's a gift. That was one example. Here's one that's not so, yeah, here's another one for you. Several years ago, uh, I had a friend and he basically said this to me. He goes, he, uh, he, saw, he I was more of a mentor. He goes, uh, you are a seer. He goes, you, you see what God's doing and where he's leading, but <laughs> he goes, you lack the trust to wait for his timing. And he was totally right. And so what he did was he was essentially exhorting me. He was inviting me and urging me to take a specific action, which was essentially to practice and grow in patience. And you know what patience requires, don't you? It requires that you actually trust God. And so oftentimes the way that God has wired me and gifted me, I, I say this genuinely without... Um, without, hopefully without any arrogance, I don't see it in my life in this regard, but like I do find myself, I can see where God's going. I can see what he's doing. He like helps me be able to do that. But historically, 
and less mature seasons of my life. And I, and I would say, I'd say I still I haven't like figured this one out, but I lack the patience required to, to fully yield and submit to God's timing, right? So it's sort of like the example would be like if you type in directions into your GPS, you know where you're going, but sometimes it takes longer than you want it to, like driving on the 91 freeway, okay? So I think you get it, right? <clears throat> so for me, the action step was how do I practice patience more? How do, I, how do I engage with God in such a way where I'm demonstrating trust in him through waiting? Just because I know where we're going, just because he's revealed that to me doesn't mean I need to be there tomorrow. He has purpose in the process, doesn't he? Which is perfect segue to the next one, the next spiritual gift, the gift of faith. Again, this is one of those spiritual gifts where every Christian, you're not a Christian unless you possess faith in Jesus, trust in Jesus. This applies to every single Christian. But faith is the ability to trust and obey God. You're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. Our salvation's a gift. Think about that for a second. The intervening grace of God to give us faith, that empowerment of his spirit to trust him and obey him. Um, I think the most clear picture I've seen in my own life of this spiritual gift of faith and operation was um, I was, I was pastoring at a, at a church. I was there for eight years and God very clearly gave Ebony and I directions to move to San Diego to help plant what would be the first restored church. And what was unique about that season was that it, it meant we sell all of our stuff without a job. We, we did a little bit of fundraising, you know, like a missionary will fundraise. We fundraised $1,850 a month, $1,850 a month, which was amazing, right? But like, so we went from fairly cush salary, you know, that mega church world, the giving's strong and everything's great, you know, to, oh, now we have, for about a year, we have 1,850 bucks a month coming in. Our rent was $1,500. Our car payment was $300. And you tithe off that, you're like already in the red. So it was like this, on paper, it didn't make any sense. But there was this reality of like, we knew, like God spoke so clearly, guys. I, you guys, most of you guys know this story. But it was, it, was, it was so clear. God gave us so much faith to say yes to that, even though on paper it was dangerous. And like, man, did he honor that. There's half a dozen churches and, and people have come to Jesus and families that weren't, like there's been so much kingdom of heaven invading people's lives. Not because of a choice that we made. God was doing the work, but we were part of a team of people who were acting in faith, that spiritual gift. And it just, it, it changed my life. It's changed a lot of lives. That's the, probably the biggest season because it didn't make any sense on paper but he said it. And it wasn't just like arbitrary. Like I'm trying to give God, God, I want to buy a Ferrari and I don't have the money for it. So I'm just going to do it as an act of faith. That's not what we're talking about. It's rooted in obedience. It's rooted in trust. Okay. Just to be candid with you, the people that have the gift of faith, these are my favorite people to hang out with because it's not like, oh man, what are we going to do? It's like, do you realize who our God is? You know, and you're like, yeah, let's go. Like, yes. Like it's my favorite. Okay. The next one, the spiritual gift of giving. This is the ability to sacrifice resources to meet the various needs of the church, its people, and its ministries, okay? Listen, this is several of you in the room, okay? You know who you are. But this goes like way beyond the tithing thing. If you, know what, if you don't know what tithing is, it just means a tenth, giving a tenth back to God for his kingdom purposes, all right, and it's not just limited to people who have like a higher income. You know, like I got more disposable income so I can give more. That's not what we're talking about here. This spiritual, um, the spiritual gift of giving, I think one of the most beautiful things is so oftentimes it's done in secret because it's not primarily for me to get accolades. It's primarily in response to the generosity of God, right? Um, 
one of the things that I've seen that's fairly common with people who have this spiritual gift. And again, this is another one where like every Christian's called to generosity, okay, with their resources, not just money. Money's part of it. It transcends that, all your resources. Every Christian's called to that, okay? But there's a unique grace on some, right? And one of the common things that I've seen with this one is, is people who have that kind of unique gifting is oftentimes they'll, be, they'll literally, whenever, with whatever resource they possess, whether they're wealthy or not, God, what do you want me to do with this? And then they do it. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I think of, um, this one can be game-changing for people. When you, when you are around or in relationship with people who have this gift, uh, one of the, one, I, I've been on the receiving end of this a handful of times in my life. One time specifically was just so crazy. My eldest daughter, Amelia, right after she was born, we had, like, we moved down to San Diego with the story I told you about the first church plant, like, three months after she was born, I think, something like that. She was an infant. And we had a pretty, pretty crappy health insurance at the time. And so the, it was the best thing that we could afford. And the bill, they gave us a bill after, you know, Millie's birth. And it was, um, it was, it was $10,000 plus some change. And it was like, crap, man, like, it's a lot of money. Like, okay, we'll just figure it out, you know, as you do. And uh, right in that season, as literally, we are, we are moving to San Diego or right in that season, like, I think it was like a week before we actually loaded the U-Haul truck. This, this friend of mine takes me golfing. He's like, hey, hey I want to take you golfing. You want to go? And I was like, ah, I can't afford it. And he's like, I'll take you. I was like, great, let's go. <laughs> and, and the dude... He goes, hey, and he's shaking. He goes, God told me to give this to you. And he hands me a check. And then he goes, and then he said, actually, I'm supposed to give you another check. Like almost like that wasn't, like almost like, like the way he described it was, God told me I'm supposed to give something to you. And then in my mind, I went, oh, I'm gonna give him this. And then he wrote the check out. And then God was like, actually, no, that's not enough. And so he, writes, he hands me a second check. Adding those checks together was the exact amount for her, the bill for her, for her birth. Things like that, where you're like, whoa. God is operating through people who are asking them, what do you want me to do with this? And it, it like was a massive thing for us. It built our faith in ways that were spectacular. That's what I'm talking about. The spiritual gift of giving, Right? All right, the next one, healing. Healing. This is miraculous renewal. Remember, Herrick described renewal earlier today. Things aren't the way they're supposed to be. It's, a, it's about bringing things back to God's initial intention, right? Wholeness, wellness. Miraculous renewal that leads to spiritual awareness of God's compassion and love. Miraculous renewal that leads to spiritual awareness of God's compassion and love, okay? Just in, our, just in our church, there's been dozens and dozens of healing stories, okay? There's a handful of examples that come to my mind. I remember um, those of you guys were at that GC leaders meeting when Dorian's stomach got healed. That was miraculous healing. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, those of you guys that were here when Josh Lewis, who leads a sister church in Denver, he was here preaching, and somebody got a word about someone who had shoulder pain, so Josh literally preaches his sermon, comes down, someone gives, delivers the word about the shoulder pain. He comes forward for prayer. God he miraculously healed his shoulder and then he gets up and he, we have him close the gathering going, yeah, I just, my shoulder just got miraculously healed. Do you guys remember that if you were here? It was beautiful. It was, God was so kind. I think about, uh, another thing that comes to my mind is uh, we did a prayer meeting at, at the deals one time and Heidi's back was hurting her. And I remember we prayed for her and in her words, she said, quote, pain was at 100%. Now it's at 8%. Okay? So not a, like a, not an, not a complete healing, but like relief, miraculous relief that she experienced that night. I remember one time, this was, this was um, pre-launch. So before we actually went public on Sundays, we were meeting on Sunday nights. And just like I would do like a little bit of teaching. We had worship and prayer and stuff. And I was putting, you know, this Britney Spears mic that I wear sometimes? I was putting this on and I'm like shoving it down my shirt and like my shoulder just like 
freaks out. And like, I can't move it. And I'm literally, it's like the equivalent of me being like right here with like, with like 20 seconds left on the five minute timer. I'm like, I gotta go talk and I can't move my shoulder. I'm not gonna like, all right, everybody open your Bibles. You know, like, and so I'm like, crap, what I do? Mark looks at me and he's like, you okay? And I was like, no, dude, something just happened to my shoulder. So he just walks up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder and goes like, Jesus, heal him right now. And I could literally, guys, it was crazy. I could feel blood being pumped to my shoulder. And then it was like, good. And I just walked out and preached. Simple, no like fluff, no like, be healed in the name of Jesus. Like none of that. It was just God in his kindness manifesting himself through a brother. Healing. Next, the spiritual gift of hospitality. This is showing kindness to and welcoming in the outsider. Now, this one gets twisted in the church all the time, okay? Uh, a cultural definition of hospitality is just kind of like being really good at having people in your home, friends, family, whatever, you're a good host or hostess. That's wonderful, that's good. That's just different than the biblical gift of hospitality, okay? The biblical gift of hospitality is showing kindness to and welcoming in who? The outsider, okay? The key aspect there is outsider. This is way more than welcoming in friends and loved ones, although that's a huge, wonderful thing, okay? It's welcoming in the outsider. It's been really, really fun for me to watch this uh, take shape in my girl, my eldest, Millie. She has this, I've watched her, she has this like, she has a, a very real heart for the person who's sitting alone or, or the person who's not included or the person, the, the outsider, and she moves towards that person with love and compassion and with a desire to bring, to welcome them in. It's beautiful, baby. It's Christ in you. That's the spiritual gift of hospitality. Next, spiritual gift of knowledge. This is a supernatural awareness of something and the ability to relate the scriptures and the gospel to all areas of life. Okay? It's about making connections. Um, maybe you've heard, depending on your tradition, you've heard the phrase, like, oh, I have a word of knowledge. Like when God literally reveals something to you that there's no way that you could have known about someone else. All right? When I've seen this gift in operation, this gift may be more than any other gift. Not certainly, but maybe. It helps people feel seen by God. This has happened to me a couple times in my life and watching someone go, there's no way you could have known that. Like nobody knows the how. The only, the only reason I know is because God sees you. He knows you and he desires to know you deeper. This gift's a powerful one, okay? Uh, the next one, leadership. The spiritual gift of leadership, Okay. If you're a human being, chances are you have influence over another person, okay? If you're a Christian, hopefully you are in community with other people for whom you've, they've given you permission to have influence over them. So again, this is one of those ones that is every Christian is called to influence, to lead. That's kind of what, what leadership is, right? So every, this applies to every Christian, but there's a unique grace with this one too, okay? The ability to influence God's people into deeper relationship with Christ and each other. All right? Leaders are people who you feel an urge to follow. All right? And again, don't think like primarily like, um, like John Ma Maxwell leadership stuff. All that's really helpful. Like I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at John Maxwell. I'm talking about the spiritual gift of leadership. All right? This is leading you in a specific direction, okay? Um, our culture. You go on YouTube, you go on social media, and there's people who their whole vocation is, I'm an influencer, okay? Not throwing shade on that. I want you to see that's a form of leadership. The reason I can say it's a form of leadership is because there's all sorts of people that follow them. They are leading. The question isn't whether or not an influencer is leading. The question is what direction are they leading their followers to? Does that make sense? <clears throat> people follow them. Biblical leadership is different from worldly leadership, there's a ton of people who, have, who are very skilled leaders, 
But the direction that they're leading people in isn't necessarily holiness, Christ-likeness, deeper connection with God and with the church. You, you with me in this? What differentiates biblical from worldly leadership is where following that person takes you, okay? Several gifted leaders in the church, all right? For the sake of time, I'm gonna keep moving. Uh, next, the spiritual gift of mercy. I need to pick it up. Mercy is patience and compassion towards those who are suffering or afflicted, okay? Now, when I say compassion, if you were with us last week, we talked about the compassion of Jesus, right? That, that, that biblical compassion is both a feeling, right? You feel compassion for someone and taking the appropriate action to meet that person in love. That's the fullness of biblical compassion. So it's feeling and appropriate action. Um, the Hebrew, the, the picture that the Hebrew language paints of mercy is one of putting on the other person. In the same way you put on a garment, you put on your clothing, you put on another person. It's that idea of like walking a mile in their shoes. Like you, you feel what they feel. A deep way, right? Some examples that come to my mind are my wife, Lisa, Cassie, Caitlin, some of these people, like they, they feel what you feel, they meet you. It's God's spirit empowering them to be with you where you are to such a degree and such a depth that they feel what you feel. That's the spiritual gift of mercy. Next, the spiritual gift of miracles. I gotta fly. These are supernatural occurrences that happen at God's discretion and reveal the presence and glory of God among his people. Okay, uh, I'll share one. We already talked about a healing that would kind of fall into the, that was, would correlate, I think, a little bit miraculous healing. But I remember um, fairly recently, uh, a friend of ours they uh, they farm strawberries, and there was there was a season. I think it was like a few seasons back, a couple of few seasons back, and and there was like a scare where it was going to get so cold overnight that it would basically destroy their crops. And it was like a serious thing. It was like, crap, if all these strawberries, that's like their livelihood, right? And so Eb's praying and she's praying and she's like, and she just feels this confidence. She's like, they're gonna be okay. We get a report. It's really cool. We get this report that literally all of the surrounding area minus their little, their, not little, but their field of strawberries, everything was frozen except for the strawberries, okay? Maybe it's a coincidence or maybe it's a miracle, Okay, maybe it's supernatural, like God intervening in some cool ways, right? Uh, the next one, pastor, shepherd. Those are synonymous, okay? Notice, this is a spiritual gift. Can I go a little bit long today? I need to talk to you guys, okay. Um, the Western church is enamored with the role of pastor, and there's been a whole lot of extra biblical things that have gone along with that. The modern church pastors synonymous with manager. Okay? I'm not gonna speak too much commentary into that. I'll, a series for the future date, for sure. This is a spiritual gift. Hear me. God does not give spiritual gifts based on biology. Ladies, some of you are the most gifted shepherds in the room. Okay? Now, the ability to guide and care for the spiritual well-being of God's people, all right? Again, key aspect here is what? The spiritual well-being. You can have wise guides that can guide you in some areas, but again, where are they leading you to? What direction? Is it, is it, is it, is it for your spiritual well-being or is it for something else? We're talking about the spiritual well-being, right? Many gifted shepherds in our church. I think of Mark. I think of Herrick. I think of Tracy. I think of Dorian. I think of Mike. I think of so many more other people. Let's keep going. Prophecy. The spiritual gift of prophecy. Prophecy is this. Prophecy is God bringing awareness to something that when it's shared with other people results in spiritual fruit. So it's more than revelation, right? God reveals things to us. He speaks to his, his sheep here and can discern his voice, Jesus said, Right? It's when that revelation is declared and you know it's from the Lord if it results in spiritual fruit, right? That's prophecy. Coincidentally enough, this one's near and dear to my heart. 
Two chapters later, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Two chapters later, Paul writes, he goes, I want you to eagerly, you should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. There's a unique thing about this spiritual gift, guys, um, because it's so, it can be so formative. When God speaks to a person on another person's behalf and that's shared, this is, there's been several times where this altered my life. I remember when we were, we were um, with the second church plant and we, were, we knew that God was stirring us up to plant again. We didn't know where. We were just kind of like, what do we do with this, Lord? We'd, already, we'd been on a journey of church planting that was, I mean, church planting is hard, okay? It's, it's not easy on your family. It's not easy on your household. But we knew, like we could feel it in our gut, like God's doing this again. And there was a little bit of reluctance because we're like, this is hard. We've done this twice already. And uh, me and Ebony were in Dubai at a conference and at that conference, four different people that we did not know came up to us with different prophetic words. All of them had to do with us going to plant in, in, in some, some specific ways. It was crazy. A guy from Sri Lanka, a woman from London, a woman from South Africa, a woman from South Africa and a man from South Africa, all different times came up to me and or Ebony. One woman, like literally, she, she, was, she was teaching like a breakout session and a thing. She stops the breakout session and starts sharing this prophetic word with Ebony that has since totally come to fruition and was catalytic in guiding us back to Temecula to plant what would be this church. Spectacularly life-altering, shaping, guiding words from God delivered through people. All right, that's the spiritual gift of prophecy. The next one, the spiritual gift of serving. This one, maybe more than any of the other ones, is the most obvious that like every Christian's called to this one, okay? But there is a unique grace, right? Serving. To meet the needs of the church as it fulfills the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? To make disciples of all nations. That means all people groups, right? So to meet the needs of the church as it fulfills the Great Commission and to free up others to use their spiritual gifts to the fullest. Brandon Valdez. <laughs> Cindy Logue. Both Kevins. <laughs> like, I just, the list goes on. A handful of you guys, you, you, men and women, you have this spiritual gift, right? Hear me. Every element, we have several strategies as a church. This is one of them, Sunday worship gathering, right? Every element of a Sunday worship gathering is built around all of us serving both God and each other, okay? Every Christian's called to do this, but there is a unique grace on some people. Now, next one, teaching. The ability to effectively communicate what the Bible says, what it means, and how to apply it to our lives, okay? Listen, more often than not, this gift operates outside of a pulpit, so oftentimes, um, the modern church thinks that the only place that teaching can and should operate is in the pulpit. That's not true. It should, take, it should happen in the pulpit, yes, but there's more than a handful of gifted teachers. <laughs> there's a party going on back there. The MC is going to uh, take care of it. Yeah, the spiritual gift, it's more than just a smart person, Right? Here's the thing, you know a person has the, gift, like the, the spiritual gift of teaching because other people actually learn, all right? One of the things I see happen in the Western church is it's almost like teaching almost, like a teaching gift almost becomes synonymous with like entertaining. Like, oh, that guy or that girl, they have a teaching gift. They're such a gifted teacher. And it's like, no, they're just really engaging and they're entertaining and they're well-spoken, okay? That's good. That's not a bad thing. I'm not throwing shade on that. That's different than people walking away going, I know more than I knew before. You with me? That's the spiritual gift of teaching, all right? Uh, several men and women in our church. Uh, quickly, I'll go through tongues. This one's somewhat confidential or, uh, controversial, but tongues, speaking a message that glorifies God in a language that is unknown to the one speaking it. So that would be like, if there's people in this room who only speak Mandarin, and for whatever reason, I can just now miraculously be able to speak Mandarin, and the things that I'm speaking are actually things that glorify God and bring awareness to his goodness, his glory, his power, his, his majesty. That's the spiritual gift of tongues, okay? This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Go read Acts, it's incredible, right? 
I believe this still happens today, all right? Really quickly, this is different than praying in tongues. This is different than like a personal prayer language. Praying in the spirit, some Bible translations will say. This is different, okay? Now the next one, we have interpretation of tongues. This is interpreting that message, right? So I just get up and rattle something off in Mandarin. Someone goes, I speak Mandarin, and what he just said is this. And the person in the back, oh my gosh, like that's amazing, that's incredible. That's a miracle, right? Now, again, I, be- <laughs> I believe this still happens today, guys. I think the reason we don't experience it as, as often as maybe it did in the New Testament is because we aren't in a context where other, other languages are as required. You go put yourself in environments where they only speak languages that you don't, ooh, things change. Things change. Okay, the next one, wisdom. The spiritual gift of wisdom. It's an intimate understanding of God's word and his commandments that is used to guide others towards a life of holiness and worship. Again, what's the outcome? Holiness, worship. So you wanna discern whether someone has a spiritual gift of wisdom or not? It's not just the practical insights. It's, it's, it involves that, but it leads you somewhere, doesn't it? Increased holiness, increased worship, ascribing worth to God, all right? It's not just practical wisdom. What should I do in this scenario? It's guidance that leads towards more holiness and worship. Um, I have a mentor. And 2020, many of you guys know this, it was just a really hard year. I was teetering on burnout. It had been 10 years of church planting. Then you throw in all the things that were 2020. It was a hard time. And so I have a mentor, and he basically told me, he's helping me with this. And he goes, um, he shared his wisdom with me. He said, you need to take your rest and your Sabbath way more seriously. That was his wisdom guiding me towards what? Towards holiness and worship. Not towards just like, you need to vacation more so that you don't feel as much stress. Yeah, that's, that's good, but that's not biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom takes you to increased holiness, increased worship. All right, we did it. We did it. Don't clap for me. I love you. At least not yet. You can clap for me at other times, but okay. I need an affirmation too. So uh, that was a little too raw, wasn't it? Do you know, hear me. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Do you know the spiritual gifts that God has given to you? Do you know what they are? Um, Many of you in gospel communities, you've taken a, you've actually taken a spiritual gifts test. Raise your hand if you've taken one of those tests. A lot of you, okay, great. If you haven't, that's totally fine. There's, there's other ways to learn without taking a specific test. But if you, if you want a reference for a spiritual gifts test, talk to your gospel community later if you haven't taken one or come talk to me or Herrick. We'd love to help give you one of those, okay? It's really important. I'm almost done, guys. It's really important that you become aware of the spiritual gifts that God has given to you. I would argue that the best way to find out your spiritual gifts isn't necessarily a test. It's to ask your church, hey, how do you experience God through me? How do you experience God through me? Look, look with me quickly as we wrap up. Look with me quickly back at verse seven in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A manifestation of the Spirit, that's God, is given to who? Say it to me. Each person for the common good. Each person. So hear me. If you are a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you've received his gift of grace and forgiveness and mercy, that means he's poured his Spirit on you. If you're a Christian, God has gifted you. He's given gifts to you. So hear me out. When a Christian operates in any of the spiritual gifts that we just went through, who are they manifesting? Starts with a G. Three letters. God. Like, just grasp this. We've talked about this before, but you got to get this one, okay? 
when a Christian operates with any of, the, any of those spiritual gifts, they're manifesting God. Like, I know it's a bit obvious because we just, we just read it, right? But I think we miss it. I think we, we miss it. Man, so oftentimes we feel like God's far away, don't we? Like he's distant. At, at the worst times, we're like, he's absent. We're, he's not even here. Maybe it's because we're far away from God's people. Because how does he manifest himself according to the Bible? Not exclusively through God's people, but you could argue primarily through God's people. Maybe he's not far away. Maybe we're just far away from his people. From where his spirit dwells. We're the temple of the living God together. And he's manifesting himself through us, through his spirit. You with me? I know it gets tricky because we don't always walk in the spirit all the time. Sometimes we can be buttheads and it makes it harder. But sometimes we can look a whole lot like Jesus, huh? Sam Storms, he says, spiritual gifts are God going public amongst his people. If you feel, you feel like God's far, feel like he's distant, get closer to his people, okay? So hear me, when you experience any of these spiritual gifts through another person, who are you actually experiencing? Yes, do you see that? It's fantastic, it's amazing. And when you operate in any of these spiritual gifts, who is it? Think about that. It's God in you and through you. That's spectacular. Again, one more time. Look back at verse seven. A manifestation of the spirit is given, for each, or given to each people. Redo. Verse seven. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. I have one main point. I had a bunch of slides. I have one main point for you this morning. Who the gift is given to is different than who the gift is given for. Who the gift is given to is different than who the gift is given for. This season, people are buying all sorts of gifts and the modern day thing is you just Amazon it, right? You, you, or you, you order it online and it gets delivered. So I want you to think of a mailman, all right? They got, especially this time of year, they got tons of letters, tons of packages, right, in their vehicle. And what do they do? They go around and they deliver those packages to who they're for. Listen, packages given to the mailman, but they're for someone else. That's how it works with spiritual gifts, friends. From God to you for others. Christians get, how do I say this? Christians get into trouble when they build their identity around the gifts that were given to them for others not just pastors, not just preachers, not just people with platform. From God to you for others. This means spiritual gifts are something to be delivered. You with me? Okay, here's my exhortation. I told you I was hoping this would be an exhortation, right? Inviting you and urging you to do something. Here's my exhortation for all of us, myself included, but I'm gonna speak to you. My exhortation to you for this Christmas season is to give the gifts that God gave you to give. In other words, deliver the mail. Okay? With intentionality in a season that's built around gift giving. Deliver the mail. It can change people's lives. All right, I'm gonna call the band up. Prayer team, assemble. I said, I said that last week and I felt like such a dork. But I was like, I'm gonna do it again. Okay, 
Now, listen, this one's kind of key and I wasn't gonna include this, but I feel, I really felt like the spirit wanted me to and I'd rather be, uh, I'd rather be wrong than disobedient because there's a lot of factors that I wanna be sensitive to that come into this. But oftentimes I've heard, as a pastor, I've heard this come up fairly often where, where people can say or they can think like, listen, I can be a healthy Christian and not belong to a local church. Like not belong to, to a church. And when I say belong, I don't just mean attending a gathering. It's important. But belonging to a church is way more than attending an event. Can we agree? Okay. So hear me. To say, I can be a healthy Christian without belonging to a church is like saying that I can be a mailman without delivering the mail. Maybe that's for you. Maybe it's not. But I think it's important for us to understand right after this, Paul starts breaking down. He goes, you're one body made up of many members and all of those parts of the body bring up the health of the body. So, Here's my question for you, pastorally, for all of us this season. What might it look like for you to deliver the mail in this season of your life? And, and what if it wasn't just limited to the Christmas season? What if, it was, what if it went beyond that? What if it went on to like the rest of your life? That's what disciples do. They deliver the mail, man. Now listen, maybe you're here and you're like in a season where you're like, actually, I'm not confident in my spiritual gifts. Like, I kind of know what they are, but I lack the confidence to walk in them well, to operate in them well. If that's you, can I just encourage you to try? How does, how does a kid learn to run? One step at a time, right? They fumble their way, and then they learn to walk, and eventually they learn to run, but it requires that ongoing try. If that's you, if you're like, I kind of am aware of my spiritual gifts, but I, I, I'm not confident in them. Like, I'm not like, I got this. I've done. That's a fair place to be. Can I just encourage you? Try and keep trying. All those 20. Like, try. I've never really exhorted anybody before. Try. I've never really prayed for healing. Try. Dude, what if one of you has the gift of healing? <laughs> Like, what if there's people that are missing out on experiencing miraculous moves of God, right? Like, try. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Youth in the room, maybe you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. How about this one? Maybe you only like to deliver the spiritual gifts that are like fun for you to deliver. Right, so that would be like, I really enjoy teaching people, but I don't really enjoy giving. So I'm gonna, I'll just focus on this one. Or I really enjoy exhorting people, but I don't really like serving. I'm looking at Tracy and my kids ministry. <laughs> I can do all this other stuff, but I don't really like, I'm not serving kids or whatever it is, right? How about this one? I, I was praying this morning and Herrick brought it up and I was like, he, 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 God's on this. Maybe you're here and you're, your gifting is farther along than your character. Dude, or maybe you're here and you're just run down, worn out, discouraged, sad. Can I just remind us, it's Christmas. Christmas, this is a season where we intentionally remember the greatest gift that's ever been given to us, Jesus. How about this, the gift that no one can take away from you too. Maybe you just need to receive his love in a fresh way this morning. All this talk of spiritual gifts and delivering the mail, you're like, cool, Tom, I'm tired I'm sad. I'm run down. Maybe you just need a fresh encounter with the reality of the greatest gift that's ever been given. It's a person. It's God Almighty through His Son, Jesus.
Will you stand with me if you're able? We do not have near enough time because I'm selfish and I went long. I'm sorry. But I want you guys to deliver the mail this season and every season of your life. So here's, I'm gonna keep it brief. This is a time for us to respond. The band's gonna lead us in praise. This is a time where we put on our priesthood, right? People who offer God praise, not to get something from him just because he's worthy. And people who maybe you are in need. Any of the things I mentioned, come receive prayer. I wanna know more about my spiritual gifts. I'm tired. I need help to be freed up, to be, to be released from the bondage of my suffering so I can step into more and more of my spiritual gifts. Maybe you recognize my gifting's strong, but my character in this season's not. Whatever it is, there's trusted men and women, gifted men and women who are posturing themselves to operate in their spiritual gifts so that you might be blessed. Come receive prayer. Come respond to the Lord with praise. And Herrick will be up in a bit to close us. Okay, guys? Love you.